Offerman and Jacob Breck with you here on the Steelers Standard for the next 90 minutes on Steelers Nation Radio. Jacob, I woke up this morning, and as I'm one to do, I popped on a little Good Morning Football. Are you familiar with that program? I've never heard of it, Tom. Can you enlighten me? Get the me, hell please? out of here. You know exactly nah, what Good Morning about Football it, is. It's the best morning show on TV when it comes to football coverage, I think, bar none. Always love getting some good nuggets to prepare me on these shows, stealing it from Kyle Brandt, Peter Schrager, Nate Burlinson, Kay Adams, that great crew. They talked a lot of rookies today around the NFL and guys that will have a big impact right away in this rookie class. And it got me to thinking maybe we'll get into around the NFL as we work our way through these next 90 minutes. But rookies are so important for the Steelers in 2021, probably more so than I can remember in our recent memory. Yeah, I mean, we always talk about how high you can be off of a of a rookie class kind of following the draft in that first month or maybe two thinking oh this guy's a steal in the third round oh this guy in the sixth round is going to be the next antonio brown in terms of value and that's never the case i mean not every draft class is going to be 1974 where you draft four hall of famers and then take an undrafted fifth uh in donnie shell but i do agree with you tom i do think that this year with Najee harris and kendra green and the likes I am very high on this draft class. I, I do think that the potential is legitimate. So I separate the rookie class into two different categories. The first category is the group of players that are, are absolutely necessary for 2021 success. You'll see them every single Sunday, health permitting, and their, their career starts right now in the NFL. Then the next group is guys that you might see throughout the year, maybe as they work their way up, but they still got some work to do. These are more of the potential guys that you picked in the draft that you're looking for years to come and not immediate impact. And starting with the immediate impact guys and starting at the very top of the list, you know, going through these guys, I figure you could either be ready to go or you could still have some work to do to get to week one, to get up to speed by week one. And Najee Harris is ready to go for week one. There's no question in my mind. He passes the eye test. He looks the part like a stud running back. I know he's going to play against Detroit, that dress rehearsal game. Ben's going to play. Almost all the starters are going to play. I don't even know if I would play him against Detroit, to be quite honest with you. I definitely wouldn't play him against Carolina. You've seen all you need to know about Najee Harris right now. Yeah, it's it, he's almost in the same camp as Ben and guys like Cam Hayward. where Which is what, remarkable. What are you, you going to learn from this guy at this point? I mean, he's shown you the talent in training camp and minicamp. We saw the incredible one-handed catches he made early on in minicamp, and he continued to improve that aspect when we saw him kind of get a case of the, the drops early on in training camp that was fixed within a matter of days. And then by the first training or by the first preseason game in the Hall of Fame game against Dallas, there were no drops. And then you go to Philadelphia a week later, no drops as well. And then you see his effort, Tom. We, we talked about how he only had four carries, two of which were negated. But the two that did count were both hurdles or both runs that ended in hurdles, you see the effort there. If this guy is making that type of effort in a preseason game, who knows what he's bound to do in the regular season. It's going to be a lot like the Notre Dame run we always talk about that he had in his senior year at Alabama where he broke out from a collapsed pocket, ran down the field, and then hurdled the guy mid-stride, didn't break stride, and kept going. He's the guy in this draft class that I'm most excited to see other than the quarterbacks. You can call me biased because of that freak of nature in Atlanta that's lighting up at tight end. I, I get it if you're going to go there with But here's him. the thing, Tom. I haven't heard much out of Atlanta about the play of Kyle Pitts. I don't know about you, but to me, I mean, every day it seems to be the Najee Harris story coming out of Steelers training camp. What did Najee do today? And then after a preseason game, it's what did Najee Harris do in the preseason game? I've heard 
I've heard next to nothing about Kyle Pitts so far. I'm sure that that just tends to be because we're 400 so miles away. But also the fact that, you know, this past weekend, the big story was, okay, how did Trevor Lawrence do? How did Justin Fields look? Trey Lance had that 80-yard touchdown. We weren't talking at all about the Atlanta Falcons well, and Kyle Pitts. Right, because that's just the way that the, the national media is going to go. It's, it's quarterback, 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 and this has the potential to be one of the most historic quarterback classes of all time. So I, I get them focusing on that, but – for us, I and and back to what I was saying, Najee Harris, I think, is the front runner non quarterback wise to be that rookie of the year candidate. And I think a lot of that just has to do with the team that he landed on is prime for success. And he is really the key that they were missing to that success. So it's really going to be a symbiotic relationship here where. Harris could become rookie of the year because the team he's on is getting to the playoffs. And the reason why they're getting to the playoffs is mainly on the back of himself. So I, I view Harris as you want to get the quarterbacks out of there. It's Harris. And then it's Kyle Pitts as far as the two top dog rookie, you know, skill players, linemen, whatever, what have you uh, that I'm most excited to see. And I have highest hopes for in this class. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I don't, I don't think, Maybe other than Kyle Pitts, it's going to be close in terms of guys who are eligible or in the running for offensive rookie of the year beyond the quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. And that's just that goes to show how talented Najee Harris can be in this league. How often or how rather infrequent do you see a running back win that award? It's it's usually to the quarterback or it's usually to a wide receiver. It, it's almost never to a running back because running backs – have such a target on their back when it comes to pressure being a, a first-round pick or maybe even an early second-round pick. I mean, let's look at the guys who were taken in the second round last year, such as J.K. Dobbins and uh, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, thank you, in Indianapolis. I mean, they both had really good rookie seasons, Jonathan Taylor most especially, but we didn't hear their name come anywhere close to the Offensive Rookie of the Year conversation last year. It was all about Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. But I do like Najee Harris's this chances this year compared to those guys last year. Yeah, no question. You know, Jonathan Taylor was on a team that made the playoffs too, so and he had 1,000 yards. So it's an uphill sledding for a player that's not a quarterback to win that award. Basically, if you're a quarterback, all you have to do is get close to the playoffs or make the playoffs even. And you're you're a, a dead lock to make it. And as you said, that's I why mean, I think Herbert got it last year. The Chargers won a playoff team, but they were kind of sniffing around it. And I mean, he they broke were seven the and nine, right? And yeah, he broke all of those rookie passing records. But Jonathan Taylor did make the postseason. He yep. did run for over a thousand yards. What what more else could you ask for a running back? Steelers second round pick Pratt, Pat Fryermuth. Now this is the one guy I have in this category of players you need to have impact in 2021 out of the rookies that I still think needs some work to be done. I think you'll see him out there in Buffalo week one if, you know, health is permitting. There's no one as far as a Raider or a Gentry is concerned that's really going to push him for that number two spot. Um, Gentry, I know, has had a pretty impressive camp and has bulked up as far as his uh, – blocking abilities are concerned so that's helping him out for sure but it's still going to be pat fryermuth's number two spot in that tight end group but you certainly haven't heard much that'll instill confidence in the penn state tight end you see that he's getting beat on blocks a lot and that shoulder has been a very lingering thing throughout camp that he can't seem to shake so health and just getting up to speed in the nfl has been a bit of a question for fryermuth mm. he still has about three or four weeks until you know we actually start playing for real to you know, take that step forward and, and really show that he's ready. And I I bet you see him a lot against the Lions uh, coming up on Saturday. But it's the time is now for him to start, you know, kicking it into gear a little bit because he absolutely is a guy that you need in 20. You can't wait, you know, a year or two for him to develop. 
No, I, I'd like to get him involved as soon as possible, but we obviously know that what Mike Tomlin has said about his role this year, and that's to <clears throat> excuse me, get more involved in the blocking game and pass and run, and that's totally fine if you want to polish that that skill of his, but I'd like to see him get a little more involved in the passing game as a, as a legitimate receiving option, especially if we don't think that Eric Ebron could be around for much longer. If you think this could be possibly Eric Ebron's last year or maybe even second to last year in Pittsburgh, then you want to make sure that even if you're trying to polish Pat's blocking ability, you want to make sure you're also polishing his catching ability too. And I believe this is Eric Ebron's last year in his contract for I the think it Pittsburgh is, yeah. Steelers. Double checking that right now, but yeah, if he if it's time for Ebron to walk, then it's time for Ebron to walk. Yeah, twenty twenty one is his last year. He's a free agent in twenty twenty. I mean, it's possible they give him like a a, a cheap one year deal next year. That's all Just, you can do with a guy like that right. now, you know. And I'm sure someone like him would take it. I think he knows what he has in Pittsburgh, and yeah, even if even if Big Ben's not here next year, I think Pat's someone who's really warmed up to the city of Pittsburgh and his teammates especially, I think he would he would it would it would be a challenge for him to kind of say no to that deal. No question. And you know, Eric Ebron, two years twelve million was the deal he signed in uh the, heading into the twenty twenty season. Six million average salary. That's gonna go down even if you sign him for a one year deal because A, he's older and B, he hasn't really produced like you thought he might, even though it's a pretty cheap contract that they have him under right now. But yeah, I think Fryermuth the future plans for him are certainly starting next year to be number one tight end mm -hmm. and to not only be useful in the blocking uh, aspect of the position, but be a playmaker as well. But this year, it's all about the blocking. That's what Tomlin said when they asked him about some of the plays he was making in the pass catching game. Tomlin was like, that's great. Love to see it. But can you block? How's your blocking? And so far, that's the thing that's been a little bit suspect. You see him get beat by Highsmith. You see him get beat by a couple backers. Great that that's happening now in training camp. Hopefully he can dust off those cobwebs and become a more solid blocker come week one because there is some heavy pass rush coming in that Buffalo game. Absolutely. And you're going to need a Fryermuth or a Hag, an extra big body up there to block uh, for the Steelers to be successful in that game. And I, I have no problem with that. If this guy is Heath Miller 2.0, maybe even like a 5.0 because <laughs> – Heath Miller, I mean, also, uh, when he came in, he came in with a lot of expectations, the rookie out of Virginia, and coincidentally, he won the Super Bowl his rookie year. But I think Pat Frymuth had maybe, arguably, not even arguably, I think Pat Frymuth had the better college career at, at Penn State rather than, or compared to Heath Miller at Virginia. So I do think expectations are a little bit higher. So if that's the case, if you're coming out with a little more pedigree, there's no reason that even though Heath Miller is the most beloved tight end and, and the best tight end in Steelers history, that you can have the expectations set for yourself to, to be better than him. Their third round pick, Kendrick Green out of Illinois. A lot of stock being placed in Kendrick Green. People are higher on Green as the third round pick than they are Fryermuth with their second round pick. And I think that's fair, you know, Green has the potential to play the most snaps out of any rookie in this class in 2021. Uh, it's not a guarantee. You know, Najee Harris might play more just because Kendrick Green might not start right away. But I think we're all kind of reading between the lines when it comes to that. I have Kendrick Green ready to go for week one in Buffalo. I know, I know you saw him get pushed back into Mason Rudolph in the Eagles game. And completely that, bull rushed. Yeah, yeah, and that led to a sack of Mason. Whatever. You know, that's going to happen not just in – uh, training camp to a rookie and preseason to a rookie 
that's going to happen in the regular season to an established veteran at center. There are really good players on the other side of the ball as well that can get the best of you on a given down. It's just a matter of being consistent and making sure that those kind of things are really few and far between your play. And that's really the first time I've seen anything from him in the past two games he's played in that I've been like, wow, that was not the best. Other than that, he's looked completely good, completely fine. And that's why I think I'm trending towards handing him the keys to that starting center job come week one. Yeah, I have no problem with it either, Tom. You mentioned it last week how the Steelers, for the first time all training camp, uh, put out all five of their starters that they had slated on their first release of their death chart. And I said, are you sure? And you go, well, 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 let's not forget that J.C. Hasenauer was named the starter on the depth chart. So they got four out of the five guys. They got the two guards and the two tackles who we want to see start week one, or I guess we were most comfortable starting week one coming into training camp. Some things around that has maybe some opinions may have changed, but those are the guys you expected other than Kendrick Green. And I think that in terms of in, in a similar conversation that Kevin Dodson about that we've that we've had about Kevin Dotson, you know, Kevin Dotson had to earn his spot. I think it's the same kind of thing that that Kendrick Green has to go through, where Tomlin strategically and methodically named Hassenhauer as the guy on number one of the depth chart, but you want it to be Kendrick Green to earn that spot. And I think that considering the play of both of them so far, it, it should be Kendrick Green come week one. And the number four guy that I have on my list for definite needed impact in 2021 is the punter, Presley Harvin the third. Like Steelers that. took him late in this draft. In a position battle with Jordan Barry right now, uh, Harvin was incredibly impressive in the Hall of Fame game against the Cowboys. Uh, Barry got the punting action against the Eagles and looked pretty good. So Barry wasn't bad. Barry's not going to go down without a fight. Yeah. That was made clear against uh, the Eagles in that game. But, you know, if they're, all things are equal, which I think, if Harvin's winning, it's by a slight edge. If you want to say they're equal right now, that's fine, too. All things being equal, a tie goes to Presley Harvin, though. You know, you got the younger guy there, more potential there. And I know that money doesn't really matter because it's a punter, but he will be cheaper than Jordan Barry. However slightly that might be, it's still going to be the case. So I think Presley Harvin is certainly in the front runner for that. And you got to see him uh, get some work in holding the ball for Chris Boswell in the Eagles game, even though Jordan Barry was punting. So that was good to see. You didn't see any botched snaps. You saw Boswell make all of his kicks. Presley Harvin is in the driver's seat as far as I'm concerned for this job, but it's not just a runaway like we thought after the Hall of Fame game because Barry answered in the Eagles game. You're right, but I do think a, a huge sign that, that should point to Presley Harvin getting the starting spot is the fact that, as you mentioned, Tom, it, it, he was out there despite not being the starting punter in Week 2. He was taking Working snaps, and that's what, exactly what Dale Lawley and Matt Williamson said on the drive is he could be great at punting. If you're not able to snap that hold that ball securely for Chris Boswell, he's going to get it. Boz is going to get in Mike Tomlin's ear and say, this kid can't do it. And you can't have two punters on your team for different roles. You got to just go with one guy, but it's clear that they're comfortable giving him that position as, as the, the uh, ball holder on, on kickoffs or on, on field goals and extra points. So if he's earned that position, even though that Jordan Barry got the start, that shows to you that they wanted to work on that part of that game and get in that in-game experience even though they had to give Jordan Barry his his due and, and give him at least a chance to start one preseason game. I'm with you there. I do think Presley Harvin does get the starting spot over, and, over Barry. And maybe that film that Barry put out in the Eagles game helps him get another job somewhere else. You know, Maybe yeah. he gets out uh, on the market that week leading into Buffalo after final cuts, and the team 
He's not very happy with their punter in camp. Snags him up. You know what I miss though, Jacob? We were talking about Harvin holding the ball and backup punter or backup punters holding the ball. I miss the days when the backup quarterback would go out. I don't know why that. Why'd that I stop? guess because you risk hurting the quarterback on a, on a, yeah. on a possible blocked field goal, right? You, it's a one percent risk, but you're right. I mean, it's the same risk that you you have putting your kicker out there to begin with. That's exactly because right. The so, kicker can get hurt on on any type of rush. But I mean, I don't in, get why in terms of fake it. field goal attempts, like why not have it? Now it's obvious. If your backup quarterback is out there, everyone's thinking, well, this could be a fake. Yeah, exactly. Unless you're the punter from uh, L.A., the Rams, who's right, like Johnny thousand, Hecker has or, like a thousand yeah. pat, fake punt passes. So, but I always thought it was a good way to you know keep your backup quarterback involved. To you know, it's he's a part of the team. He's playing. I don't know he's when, playing every down. Da- he's playing every game. He's not just holding a clipboard and, and when did that plays stop? In. I don't know, but it's definitely because of what you said and the worry of injury. When we come back, we're going to look at the rest of the rookie class. These are guys that might not have an immediate impact, but they picked them for the future and their potential. So we'll break all of them down and how they look so far next. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Offerman. You're listening to the Steelers Standard right here on Steelers Nation Radio. Tom Opperman and Jacob Breck rolling right along here on Steelers Standard, talking the rookie class and kind of giving you the rookie report on what we see from them so far. The four gentlemen we talked about in the past segment were guys that you're definitely going to see on the field in 2021. The Steelers uh, having success this year, they have a direct impact on that. The rest of the class, though, the rest of the five guys that we're going to bring up, uh, some of them might see some playing time on the field, but I don't know if their success is that indicative to the Steelers' success this year. I think these guys are more picks for the future, picks for potential two, three years down the road. Then you'll see some of these guys start to cut their teeth in the league. The first one I want to start with, though, is a guy that's kind of been pushing himself into that fringe between both groups, and that's Dan Moore Jr., the tackle out of Texas A&M. I still think that's a potential pick. I still think that's a couple year, a year or two away kind of guy. He will probably play this year. I think he's pushing Joe Haig for that number six spot as far as who's going to be the swing tackle, who's going to be the guy that comes in when they go beefy up front. Mm. Uh, I know we kind of speculated maybe he's breathing down Zach Banner's throat and neck, excuse me, and maybe he he is. But I still think Zach Banner is going to end up with that starting job. But, you know, Dan Moore is a guy that I think he's ahead of schedule right now as far as what the Steelers suspected out of him. I think that this was a guy that they picked with in mind saying, all right, we're going to run with Chooks and Banner this year, and if things don't pan out, this Dan Moore kid is going to have a full year under his belt. So in 2022, he can really push one of these two guys for that spot. Or if one of these two guys, Chooks or Banner, are gone, he can slide in as the favorite to win that spot. But right now, he looks way better than advertised, I think. Like I said, I don't think he was in their plans to play at all. Now he's making a push for that sixth man on that offensive line. And I think the sky's the limit for Dan Moore. I don't think you'll see him play a lot this year other than that swing guy, like I said, or if there's injury. But I think as soon as 2022, if Banner or Chooks don't cut the mustard, Dan Moore's going to slide right in. Yeah, I mean, I'm right with you. We talked about it last week, how 
with Banner not being able to stay healthy, you're not nearly as concerned as you were come a month ago because the play of Joe Haig and especially Dan Moore Jr. has really impressed you and has really given you a reason to kind of feel a little bit relieved and not as concerned with in regards to the, the tackle position at depth because those guys are seemingly capable of taking over if Bannard can't stay healthy. Joe Haig obviously a lot different from Dan Moore Jr. because Joe Haig's been around the league for a long time, played in a Super Bowl on a Super Bowl winning team nonetheless, and Dan Moore Jr. just a rookie out of AM, a fourth round draft pick. But I do like the potential for Dan Moore Jr. And it does seem like Tom that he is earning his spot client kind of climbing up the depth chart and so much so that if Banner does not stay healthy, it could it could just simply be Dan Moore's job. The only reason you hesitate to say that is because that would mean you would be putting out two rookies on the same offensive line. Yeah, and that's something that the Steelers probably aren't going to want to do unless it's that swing kind of guy, and he's the sixth man, which I think he certainly is making the case for that. Right, you wouldn't see it in for, for a total of 60 minutes. I think you would see yeah, it in no. just for certain plays here and there not nearly the the total of a game. Yeah, no. And I think Joe Haig might edge him out as far as the the backup tackle, but I think that if it's a longer term injury, then that battle's open up again starting the practice leading into the game you're trying to replace a banner or a chooks with. And it's 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 up for grabs between Moore and Haig. So there's the potential that God forbid some injuries happen you see a lot more of Dan Moore than you expected to see this year, but that's why I think it's so great that he's ahead of schedule because if he was kind of just, you know, doing what you expected of him or maybe, you know, a step or two behind in his development, then you might have some problems if one of your tackles go down, but now you got really two solid backups to go with your two kind of solid starters that were jury still out on them. Yeah. I mean, it- if, if, I'm actually if, more comfortable with our backups than I am with our starters. Does just that make because, sense? because Banner can't stay healthy and right. Chiefs only got the starting job. I know that those two are better than the backups if they are healthy and play well, but I'm just more comfortable with our depth at that position than I am with our starters, which is not a good place to be. I don't know if it's a bad place to be, Tom, because <sighs> you, you kinda you're kinda saying to yourself, Well, you have four guys out there that you're comfortable starting. That I'm that might be average though. That's what I, I think the problem. Well, is. I mean, I'm I not saying I'm not saying they're like, all pro boom, bowlers. That guy's a starter, but that just hasn't been the case yet. I'm not saying they're all pro bowlers, but it's someone that you're that I'm sure maybe 15 or 16 or even 20 other NFL teams would say, yeah, give me any one of those four guys. I need another guy starting at my tackle position. Well, Dan Moore's teammate throughout college was drafted not too long after him as Buddy Johnson, the inside linebacker from Texas A&M went to the Steelers, you know, inside linebacker depth was a huge need back when the Steelers picked him in the fourth round. But that need has kind of gone by the wayside as they go out and they get a guy like Joe Schobert. You move Spillane down to the number three spot. Now it seems to be a battle between Buddy Johnson and UG3 to be that number four linebacker. And UG3 has not been that impressive when he gets his chances. Uh, Buddy Johnson hasn't really done much to, like, show out and show you that he's most definitely number four on this depth chart. But, again, like we talked about um, with Harvin and Barry in our last segment, a a tie goes to the younger guy here. And that's why I think Buddy Johnson's going to carve himself out a nice role on the fourth uh, spot in the depth chart there. He's going to be a really good special teams player this year. But I think he's still about two, maybe three years away until he really reaches that 
that ability to step in and be a middle linebacker. And that's great because I'm pretty sure Joe Schobert has about two, three years on his contract that the Steelers picked up. No, I'm, I'm totally fine with Buddy being a developmental guy. I mean, obviously, he'll get the special teams reps, and who knows, Son, maybe he can establish himself on special teams and say, hey, I'm, I'm just – I'm someone that you can go to in the future, obviously, with right. Joe Schobert still here and Devin Bush still here. You're going to go with those guys, but my play is going to be enough for you to say, even though I'm not getting starting reps, you're going to be comfortable coming to once those guys. I mean, Devin Bush, I think, will be here longer term than Joe Schobert will be. But if Joe Schobert kind of has an early exit, not necessarily because of his play, but maybe because for the first time in his career, he's on a good team that kind of elevates his game even more so the market becomes pretty high on him and the Steelers just aren't able can't afford him yeah can't afford him but they're happy to keep him for as long as they can but once that happens then you're looking you're looking at Buddy Johnson and saying well the stuff we've gotten out of you on special teams has really resonated with us and we're 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 gonna go with you here to kind of pair you as as the now another young duo with you and Devin the big thing that you see written up about him Obviously, he's a great athlete and he's a really solid hitter. But the thing that needs to be developed is his coverage abilities. And, and that's something that Joe Schobert doesn't really have an issue with. And so that could be a significant drop off when you lose Joe Schobert and have to turn to Buddy Johnson. You can also look at it as this is a perfect person for Buddy Johnson to learn under for a year or two is just to watch how Joe Schobert goes about playing that position, the coverage side of things, and really taking some clues from Joe and, and utilizing them in his game. But, I mean, some people speculate that if they can get his coverage abilities up to speed, he could be a starter as early as next year. I, I don't know if that's going to be the case now that you have a Joe Schobert on your roster. But I don't think it's that far-fetched that we're week 10, week 11 into this season, and Buddy Johnson's getting more looks than Spillane is on the defense. I mean, I think that's an attainable person to get. I think it's hilarious to me how we're not even we're done talking about UG three here, right? He UG really hasn't. Every time he gets healthy and plays, he just doesn't impress. No, and and that's kind of a shame because he was kind of everyone's training camp phenom, as as Wolf yeah. likes to call it, saying a couple years ago. And before and Joe came in, it was like, "There's your number three right there." Mm -hmm. Unless and you want to throw Buddy into the fire, hasn't happened. No, thank and God. And so, and so, I mean, I'm fine. With, obviously, I have no problem with Joe Schobert taking the starting job. But it's funny how we're not even talking about UG three. We're no. just talking about Buddy Johnson being better than Robert Spillane as the number three guy. UG three might be safe as far as a roster spot, just because you know. I don't. I'll, I don't know. Number five inside linebacker. That's starting to get a little fringy at that point. You're gonna have to bring a lot to the special teams to make mm -hmm. sure you keep your spot there. But I think he makes it. But it's definitely gonna be closer than I think a lot of people thought. Buddy and Dan are two guys, like I said, they're potential guys. They're a year or two away guys, but they still might see some field time in 2021. These next three guys, I don't think we'll see the light of day. And if they do, I think we're in big, big trouble here in Pittsburgh. Uh, starting with the guy that I think has maybe some of the most potential of any of the later-round draft picks, and that's Quincy Roche, the outside linebacker out of Miami. What a stud he's looked like. Him and Jameer Jones has looked really good in preseason, and I would say maybe you see Quincy Roche on the field some this year, like a Dan Moore or like a Buddy Johnson, but I think the, the emergence of Jameer Jones just pushes him down even a little bit more on that depth chart. So as far as other than special teams is concerned, Roche is not going to see much defensive action. And that's great because I want to just have this guy going through practice in 2021, keep working at his craft, build that potential up until you're the number three guy when Melvin Ingram eventually has to e exit. So you started by saying if 
these guys that we're going to talk to about next get any playing times of significance, that's going to be an issue because that means the guys ahead of them are either hurt or not performing as you expect yes. them to, which I agree. I, I, I have no problem not seeing Quincy Roche because I want the guys ahead of him to be performing as expected. However, I'm, I, I would like to kind of fine-tune that that designation you gave him because I do think he has the potential to be a future starter along the likes of Dan Moore Jr. and Buddy Johnson. I do think he's he's in that camp of guys who can be future stealers for the for for a long term future, not just off of a rookie deal and, the, and a very cheap sophomore deal, and then kind of be fade into nothing and then and then just be traded to another team or signed by another team. I do think Quincy Roche has a lot of potential. We talk about how. Um, it's Gregory Rousseau from Miami, his teammate who was taken in the first round, who was the big hype man coming out of Miami. But I, th- I thought the tape on, on Roche was just as impressive, if not more so, uh, from coming out of the U. I do think that in time, obviously— A lot of people thought he was better than his teammate Gregory Rousseau, who was taken in the first round by the Bills. That's what I just said. Yeah, I'm saying. I'm yeah, repeating it. I, no, I, I, I think it's very likely that he could be better. I mean— of course, when you're the first round, you don't want to pick, put that on him. But. When you're the first round pick, there's going to be a lot more pressure compared to Quincy Roche, who was. Oh, no question. I mean, we were going to see Roche round, week one, right? Roche was the fifth round, I believe. Sixth, so fifth, sixth, something like there. that. So, I mean, much deeper into the draft, but obviously that that gives a lot more, not necessarily an advantage, but Roche has a lot less to prove now as the later draft pick compared to Rousseau, who was the first. So. And obviously, he's playing behind some guy named T.J. Watt, right? And some guy named Melvin. And some guy named and Alex. Some guy named, and some guy named Jameer Jones, who literally is a some guy named Jameer Jones who's just been balling. I mean, Jameer Jones, let's not forget, Jameer Jones is the guy who caused the pressure or created the pressure on, I don't even know who was the quarterback. I don't know. I don't think it was Jalen Hurts. It could have been someone else uh, for the Eagles throwing the ball. I don't know if it, it was, was either Flacco. It was either Flacco or Mullins. Mullins. I think it was Mullins that created the... Uh, it was a Justin Lane interception. Jameer yep. Jones caused that pressure. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, Jameer Jones, talk about not having a chip on his shoulder for being a high draft pick. This guy was undrafted. This guy has almost nothing to prove to anyone other than let me get on this roster. And I do think that both he and Quincy Roche could be locked in for, for – I think Quincy Roche is locked in for a roster spot. Jameer oh, Jones, no question. They're both J- locked in. You think Jameer Jones as well? Yep, they're both locked that, in. I mean, I'm happy with special that Special teamers, too. too, just in general. You know, they're going to play a lot of special teams. And, look, Jameer's played well enough to probably be a little bit ahead of Roche at this point in their career so I would far. say they're about even. Yeah, that's fine with me, but they're I mean, both going to I mean, Jameer Jones is getting pressures. I think Quincy has a sack in both games so far. They're both going to make the team. I don't think there's any question about that. And their potential for this team is very high in the years to come. I think the number one potential pick, a pick the Steelers made in this draft that wasn't with eyes on 2021, but more so 2023-2024, was Isaiah Loudermilk out of Wisconsin. Mm. They traded a fourth-round pick in 2022 to get him in the fifth round this year. And a lot of people scratched their heads saying this was way too early. We didn't even have Loudermilk getting drafted. He was going to be an undrafted guy. Obviously, Kevin Colbert and the Steelers see something in him that every other team is overlooking to not only use a fifth-round pick on him, but to sacrifice a fourth-round pick next year to get him just illustrates how high they are. You won't see him very much at all this year. I mean, he's stuck behind Tewitt, Hayward, Alu-Alu, Bugs, Davis. There's a lot of guys in front of him. But this is if 
if you want to look at it as if like he's working through a minor league kind of season, if he was in the MLB, that's what this one's going to be. A red shirt season is probably a better analogy. He's going to go through practices. He's going to play against the ones on the offensive line. All this year is about him developing into a better pro. In 2022, it might be some more of the same. But I think this is the guy that they like to groom to replace a Hayward, to replace a Tuit four years down the road. Uh, more sooner than that, replace an Alu-Alu, too. Right, because Tyson's the oldest out of right. all of them. And, and the worst. Just to be and honest. the worst. They're, but like good, but they're I mean, all good. Hey, right? it's an accurate statement. It me. is. You're right. But I do think and when you talk about these are the guys you don't want to see because of potential injuries or he's lack one, of play. Yeah. He's the one because your defensive line is as solid as, as it can be, not just on the <laughs> team in terms of unity, but across the NFL, it's probably the best defensive line in the entire he, NFL. He's going to be behind. Like, if he's playing, that means that, what, Alu-Alu, Bugs, and Davis are all hurt. Right, and, have that's to not what that. I wanna, and that's not what I want to see. But, I mean, in terms of going up against Bugs and Davis, there's no reason to think that he has any less of a chance to be the starter behind those guys. I think, so far, those guys haven't done really much to prove they could be starters. Of course, you know, Laudermake was a later draft pick. A lot of people, as you said, were, were, were claiming him to be someone you could pick up uh, beyond the draft. He wasn't going to be drafted regardless, so why waste a draft pick on him? But the Steelers and, and, and Kevin Colbert are as good as it comes when it comes to draft analysis and free agency analysis. So I think they they targeted Isaiah Laudermake for, for a reason. Now, it's very possible Isaiah Loudermilk with the same guy as Chris Wormley or, or Carlos Davis or Isaiah Bugs, where it's just someone who doesn't really pan out, right? I mean, it's someone that you you had tape on who you thought, obviously not Chris Wormley as much as Bugs and Davis because Wormley came via free agency, but Bugs and, 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 and Davis, some, some guy you said, well, we like the tape on this guy. We think we can work him into our scheme and make him a legitimate starter, that hasn't happened yet. Not necessarily their fault because the guys that are playing behind are just that damn good. But even so, in the sample size of which you've gotten them, it hasn't been anything huge. I know, I don't know if it was Bugs or Davis had a, a key fumble in, in the Baltimore game last year. That's great. But I think right now, with that kind of carousel of three young guys, Bugs, Davis, and now Loudermilk. Not not to say you have a future Tyson Alawalu, Cam Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, and waiting between those three guys, but it's just you feel a little better now that the people you 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 targeted are still on the team and you're still developing. And last but no offense, but definitely least as far as I'm concerned with the prospects is the safety out of Oklahoma, Trey Norwood. Big showing in the Hall of Fame game against the Cowboys had a really nice pass breakup towards the end zone in that game. I still think he's a guy that might not make this roster, though. I, I think the thing that's his saving grace is the safety depth is a little lacking. I mean, who's going to be Minka's backup? We still have no idea what that might shake out to be if Minka were, God forbid, to go down for a couple of plays even. So maybe that's his saving grace, but, you know, it's a crowded DB room, and there's guys in that defensive backfield that are just better special teamers than he is. I, Justin Lane, he's a great special teamer. That's what's going to keep him on this roster, even though he's falling behind uh, uh, as far as the position battle is concerned. Mallette and Brooks fighting for that nickel spot. Whoever loses that spot's going to be a really good asset on the special team side of things. Even the guy who wins the spot will probably play some special teams as well. Mm -hmm. They go out and they get a Miles Killebrew to help in the defensive backfield as and well. And I like Killebrew. I, a lot of people like Killebrew. He's, he's behind Terrell Edmonds at, at, at that right. part, at that safety position, but still, I do like the play of Killebrew so far. I think it's still a question mark for Norwood as far as I, making I, the Steelers I roster. The saving, also a thing, though, for the Steelers is 
you put this guy on the practice squad, he might make it. There might not be a team that picks him up. It's risky because he is a rookie, so there's potential there, and someone might do it. But I would put him on the practice squad, and if someone picks him up, you kind of just wash your hands of it and say, oh, well. But if not, that's great. You still have him on your team. I mean, if if this guy does make the team, it's going to be as the number 52, 53rd guy to make the team. Yeah. But I do think a big part of it, if they do decide to keep him or give him that 53rd spot, would be because of the lack of depth behind Minka. If Minka goes down— That's exactly right. If Minka goes down, I mean, you are essentially screwed at the, at the safety position. Well, that's it for the rookie class— a lot of impact will be felt in the 2021 season as we illustrated with the 2021 draft class. But the 2020 draft class, the sophomores, I mean, there's some downright potential for some stars to emerge in that class. So we'll break down the potential for the sophomores on this team next. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Offerman. You're listening to the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio. Back here on the Steelers Standard with Tom Offerman and Jacob Recht. And Jacob, if you thought the rookie class for 2021 uh, had a lot to do with the success for the Steelers in 2021, man, the, the class from 2020, the impact that they could have is just tremendous. I mean, almost every single one of these guys that were picked by Colbert in this class has the potential to be an impact player. Four of them have the potential to be a starter. After just one year of them being in the league, to mm. turn four of them into starters without one of them being a first-round pick, remember, that's such great drafting from not Colbert. A sing- not a single one was a, a first-round no. pick. You've turned one, two, three, four, five, six picks, four of which have turned into starters in just one year. What an incredible job our GM does every single year. Not just in drafting, but going out and signing pieces as well. I think he's one of the most underrated GMs in all of football because I, I think he's probably top two, and he might not be I number think he's, two. I think he's top two, and, and he I might think not he, be. Number he he two. may be number one. Yeah, he may be number one, but that's just the thing is that you don't really talk about GMs all that often. There's only one GM out there that's talked about. That's Jerry. That's Jerry. That's Jerry Jones, and he's talked about for all the wrong reasons. Oh, absolutely. He's terrible I mean, at his job. He's yeah. horrible at managing the DAC contract. I mean, it finally got done. And but, now he can't stay healthy, which now, is just kind of karma in, in Jerry's face. I mean, there there has been no there's been no draft. Cl- I mean, obviously the Zeke and Dak draft class, but beyond that, there's been no no guys that you can really point to via the draft or via free agency that said, "Wow, only Jerry Jones could have pulled that off." Like what what a stellar job he did. We'll we'll get to Kevin Colbert in the next segment or two a little bit more because of the restructures that he did to some contracts recently and and just another masterstroke from him opening up even more cap space. But looking at these guys he drafted in 2020, uh, him and Tomlin did a phenomenal job putting this class together, and it starts at the top with Mr. Chase Claypool, mm. their first overall pick in that draft, taken in the second round. This is a guy that was close to breaking 1,000 yards receiving last year, and in fact, if he didn't hit the proverbial rookie wall and the Steelers didn't have to take away some of his playing time down the stretch, I think he does clear 1,000 yards. We said it ever since he took the field against the Giants in week one. He looks like a number one potential kind of receiver in the NFL. Size, speed, hand skills, route running ability. He's got it all. He's the full package. It's just about being able to put it together for what is now a 17-game season. 
And with a full NFL season under his belt, a full off season of work under his belt, and now a training camp and preseason under his belt for the first time, I'm fully confident that you'll see Chase Claypool out there all 17 games health permitting, and he will not be held back in any way whatsoever. You will not see us complaining, at least I hope to God, Tom, you will not see us complaining this year that Jalen Samuels or the Jalen Samuels equivalent in 2021 is getting more snaps. Wheel route game. to Anthony McFarland on fourth and long. You won't be seeing Throw that, that ball to Chase. I mean, come on. That's that's his bread and butter is going up and getting the deep ball. Case in point, the was it was it in Dallas or, or Philadelphia where he made that diving catch? It was, it was in the Hall of Fame game. It was in the Hall of Fame game. Where he made Dallas. that diving catch. Knocked the wind out of him. You're, yeah. you're making that kind of effort in the first preseason game. Think about, that's, that's Chase Claypool's first career preseason, pre-season game. game. So maybe he's thinking, I got to go out there and impress because th- this was what I was supposed to do last year. But, I mean, we I've talked about so often how it's so unfortunate for this rookie class, or I guess this now sophomore class, to not have had a training camp and not have had a preseason. And he went out there and had a Pro Bowl caliber season. He wasn't named to the Pro Bowl, but he should have been. And now with this under his belt, an actual offseason, minicamp, training camp, preseason games, it's it's extremely likely you'll see him in the Pro Bowl. If not, maybe a second-team All-Pro, Tom. It wouldn't shock me if you see him uh, reach that level either. Yeah, no question. I think Pro Bowl is definitely something that you can aspire to. Uh, you got to hesitate to say first-team All-Pro or even second-team All-Pro. It's yeah, it's so second. it's such a deep – even second-team. It's such a deep field at at the receiver spot in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, it's tough. There's so many great receivers there out are. there. But, but I, I mean, think he's ready to throw his hat in the ring with those guys for sure. What I was really frustrated with last year, Tom, was the fact that everyone was talking about Justin Jefferson being – far and away the best receiver as a rookie in 2020 as if there was no guy named Chase Claypool right there with him. Everyone was saying it wasn't just Jefferson or Claypool and they went with Jefferson. It was everyone was saying by far and away Justin Jefferson is the best rookie receiver last year. I didn't think that was the case at all. And he was on a worse team. I mean, right. His team didn't make the playoffs. Chase Claypool helped the Steelers get to an 11-0 start, a 12-4 finish, and make the playoffs. So... I think Chase Claypool is going to be a number one receiver in the NFL this year. If he doesn't make all pro, that's fine. I think that's to come. But I, I think there's no question in my mind that this dude is going to be the number one target for Ben Roethlisberger this season. And like you said, I think the one thing that he's going to bring to the table more that you haven't seen much of, you've seen flashes of it, is those combat catches deep downfield. I see him as a total guy that you can throw the ball up into double coverage, and his six foot four, two hundred and thirty eight pound frame is going to be able to go up against pretty much any defensive back any. in the league and come down with that football. Absolutely, I mean that's what Ben Roethlisberger his entire career has said he wants. Do you remember uh, like way back, Plexico? Like, you know, do you remember that like fifteen years ago when Plex was gone and it was like around two thousand six, two thousand seven? I think it was kind of like right after the team drafted San Antonio Holmes. Ben came out and said, I love Heinz Ward, but he's not my type of receiver. I need someone big. We know, and then, and we know then, what happened after that. I mean, obviously, they won the Super Bowl, and they were totally fine. But, but they who did they pick to be that receiver? Lima Swede. Oh, wow. And that really did Tom, not, that oh did not really God. pan out that great. I, was, I mean, Lima Swede was so detrimental and so traumatizing he held to my memory back, yeah. as a Steeler fan that I've just completely blocked he him He held out. the receiving group back for a couple years. Finally, they're right back on track. Only yeah. like two Only or like three years. Until they got he, the young money not, team in there. But he was yeah. not going to be on that team for very long. The only play he really made came in the playoffs that year. Do you remember that one like uh, 
that block he made on San Antonio for San Antonio. Holmes. I can't believe it's a block. But the only thing I remember from Lima Sweet is in the playoffs when he dropped it against the Chargers. Well, that wide too. Open down well, that the field. too. That was yeah. horrible. But enough about Lima Sweet. Ben's always he wants the big guy. Ben's he wants always the big said target. he wants the big target, and that's exactly what Chase Claypool is. I think Claypool, like you said, could be a second team All Pro. He could definitely be a Pro Bowler. But I don't think he's got the most potential to be a superstar out of this draft class because I think Alex Highsmith, who they picked in the third round, he's turning heads at training camp. If you had to crown a winner of training camp, it's definitely been number 56 for the Steelers. You know, there were doubts about him taking over for Bud. And then when you bring in Melvin Ingram, it was, well, that's a really tough position battle. Maybe Melvin Ingram's going to be the guy that takes over as the, the legitimate starter and Highsmith will be the spell guy. But there was never even, like, a day of practice where you thought that were the case. Highsmith's been the better of the two all throughout of camp. He's not better than Watt, obviously. But he's looked like a starter in the NFL, and he's looked like a formidable replacement for Bud Dupree, at least from what we've seen so far. I think Alex Highsmith is a guy that when national people are trying to analyze the NFL or other teams are trying to look at the Steelers. That's the one that's going to fly under the radar from them just because he's so unknown. And, you know, I got to be honest with you. Sometimes you'll see national media predict what the Steelers defense will look like. And a lot of them have Ingram as the starter opposite of Watt. They just don't understand. But that's a good thing kind of for the Steelers. Get him flying, get him flying under the radar a little bit, you know, have Buffalo have the Raiders start just double triple teaming TJ Watt and, and leaving him with those single eat. teams. He's gonna eat those single teams for lunch. That was the biggest question mark heading into the season. Was is he gonna handle that well? <laughs> Everything I've seen so far is he's gonna make it mincemeat. Like by halftime, you're gonna have to adjust because it's gonna be a nightmare if you just try to single cover the, or single block this guy. He showed you his Dwight Freeney esque oh, spin, spin move. Oh Chef's my kiss. god, <laughs> beautiful. But, yeah, I mean, I completely agree, Tom. Let him continue to fly under the radar so that TJ gets all the attention. Alex Highsmith can get his numbers padded up there. But you wonder, Tom, that if he had we, – we saw, obviously, because Chase Claypool got the starting spot as the prototypical wide receiver, you weren't going to not give him that uh, the, the, in terms of the starting spot or, or, or up on the death chart and, and targets and receptions. But with – Alex Heisman having to play behind Bud Dupree, you wonder that if he actually had a training camp in a preseason to exhibit some of his skills, you wonder if come the regular season you were saying to yourself, well, see ya, Bud. Like, I, we don't we don't need you. I mean, there's no, th- there may not have been a need. We may, we may have been looking at ourselves in the mirror in 2020 and saying, why did we give this guy the franchise tag? We could have just let him walk. But, of course, you know, I think a lot of the, the success for Alex Highsmith this year comes on the heels of the fact that he got a lot of unexpected starting time last year with Bud still on the team, being able to talk with him and learn from him and actually get not just playing experience, but starting experience as the rookie for, what, the last four or five games and then obviously the playoff game. So you could look at it either way say, well, if he had a training camp, maybe he would have been not the starter, but you would have been much more comfortable letting Bud Dupree walk. Or you could have said, well, it only came off of the result of Bud Dupree going down. Regardless, you have Alex Highsmith and you have the guy that you knew you were you were stealing from everyone else in the third round out of Charlotte. The guy that no one was looking at, essentially, only Kevin Colbert was eyeing in the third round as, as a third round potential star. And now, yeah, I mean, it's very possible. He, 
I mean, this guy could rack up maybe eight or nine oh, or yeah. maybe even ten sacks. Yeah, I think he could get to double digits for sure. I think I think he'll do a lot of damage early too when TJ's kind of you know getting the brunt of the the attention from the offense. And then TJ kind of and then TJ's gonna goes out. TJ's yeah. gonna finish it off and be kind of the closer as the season progresses. Bold prediction time. You ready for it? Are you gonna say they combine? Are you? Gonna, oh, let me think. There's nothing to do with a Steeler. Okay, a well, current Steeler. Come December 19th when Tennessee comes to town, we're gonna do our Steelers standard show that week, and we're gonna say Alex Highsmith's having a better year than Bud Dupree. Wow, that's my bold prediction. That's, I think Bud's gonna get one. a lot. I, like of, I think Bud's gonna get a lot of attention on that Titans defense. He's their premier pass rusher now. They needed pass rushing, and that's why they went out and broke the bank to get a bud because they need that position sorely. So he's going he's gonna to be their Watt. He's going to be the guy that gets the attention from the other teams. And on top of that, with Watt getting all the attention for the Steelers, and there's also an Ingram throwing around or roaming around the defense, Highsmith's not going to get as much attention as a bud. And I, I think he's got, at this point in his career, I think he's better than where Bud was at this point oh by far and away i mean the the big prediction highsmith's having a better year than bud by the time bud comes to town in december the huge criticism of bud was the fact that he was this first round pick and we always talk about the pressure that comes with that and he was just not developing i mean he only had i think he had four sacks his rookie year five sacks his sophomore year he wasn't to the point where we're talking about him now until 2019 and he was drafted in what 2015 i believe I believe so. 2014, 2015. It took us all the way till 2019 to talk so highly of Bud Dupree. Yeah, you didn't really. 2018, you started to see him get it. And, and then 2019, he broke out. Year. And then and 2020, 2020 was he was having a great year, year yeah. until he went down. Right. And so it, it, it's it's not absurd of you at all to say that right now, how they line up in their careers, Alex Highsmith is better than Bud Dupree was in his sophomore year. I have a feeling you're not willing to jump on my prediction, though. I, I feel like you're still thinking Bud no, Dupree might have I a better mean, year. No, I it's, it's hard. mean, it's hard because I, I mean, don't, don't know how— Don't get me wrong. Like, here's the thing. I could be wrong. It's not It's not about that I don't believe how good Alex Highsmith could be. It's is Bud <laughs> capable of continuing his success in Tennessee that he had in Pittsburgh. Right. and I, I think it's going to be harder for him to is. do that in Tennessee, and that's why I lean toward Highsmith having the better year. There— they're, there are no question of lesser defense in Tennessee, even though they're a playoff caliber defense and they're a team that I would probably. They're lean. not a playoff caliber defense. They're a player caliber offense they're a playoff with caliber a defense team. Yeah. And a team that I would put over the Steelers right now if I had to power rank the AFC. But it's all on Bud in that defense. That Bud oh, is the Tom, defense right now. I. The Kept, only. The get only. Out the, of here, Jacob. The only Why? reason. The only reason is because they come in a weaker division. The, the reason that you say that you have them higher in the power rankings, the, the Titans over the, the Steelers, because they come in a weaker division and they have a better quarterback, a better offensive uh, line, a better running not... back, a better wide receiver. Everywhere. They're everywhere they check the box more than the on Steelers. Offense. On offense. The offensive line isn't stellar. Better than I, Pittsburgh. I would, say, I would say average, similar to Pittsburgh. You could split hairs better on that one. And the defense at Pittsburgh is light years better. Is light years, light years better. better. I still have Tennessee as a favorite, and then the Pittsburgh franchise right as a whole: better head coach, of better course. GM. Of course, I mean you're. You just said Tennessee broke the bank to go out and get a Bud Dupree. The Steelers, I mean, we'll, we'll as you said, we'll we'll talk about it later. The Joe Schobert deal, how great of a maneuvering that was by Kevin Colbert, didn't break the bank in any way to get Joe Schobert. Look, I'm sorry, I upset you. All right. I'll reevaluate. Maybe the Steelers will come out a little bit ahead of the Titans when I when I come back and crunch the numbers again. All right. All right. I'm sorry. 
Do you accept my apology? Yeah, thank you. Can that, we move on I, to Kevin I can Dotson? Tell, I can tell you meant that. Yeah, let's move on to Kevin Dotson. Are, are we skipping over? We'll four, get to Tony Mack four, in the next segment. All right, Tony Mack. But I want to do Dotson here because I think he's in the same category as a Heisman. As those chase, three guys. As yeah. a Pro Bowl kind of player, guy who's going to be you know, not just impactful, but maybe a star. And the benching thing's over with Dotson. I think that that has run its course. It wasn't even a benching thing. It was it a was motivation just, thing. Yeah, get him motivated. And that's run its course, and Tomlin does it flawlessly again. I mean, after the Eagles game, Crowley did our podcast, and he was banging the table. He's like, enough's enough, Mike Tomlin. Now's the time to put Dotson with the ones. And sure enough, the very next practice, Mike Tomlin had him running with the ones, and I think you'll see that throughout practice this week. You'll see it later today at Heinz Field, and you'll see that be the case Saturday against the Detroit Lions. Look, not only is Kevin Dotson potentially your best option at left guard, he's potentially your best lineman overall. Mm. And that's why now is the time to get two preseason games under his belt with the ones, start ramping up with the ones in practices. You you don't want to keep motivating him all the way up until the Buffalo game. That can start to be counterproductive. So flawlessly executed by Tomlin as far as the coaching standpoint is concerned. And as far as execution, Dotson bowled people over in that Eagles game and was the highest graded offensive lineman in by pro football focus afterwards. So Kevin Dotson checked his box. Tomlin checked his box. Things seem to be rolling with number 69 now. Yeah, I'm I'm totally happy with I'm that. And, and talk about perfectly executed. Well done on Kevin Dotson's part to kind of come out there and say to not pout yeah to, to not say like i don't know why he's saying that i'm clearly the best guy yeah, here to on not be segment. like oh i was should have started last year and it's not what he did at all no. he said no i completely agree i haven't done anything to deserve it i, I gotta work harder and, and that's did, what he, he did demolished the eagles i mean people will say if they're going to be pessimistic about it well he was going he was with the twos so he was going against the eagles twos well that looked like a number one going up against the the twos and i'm not saying just mm. number one as far as the unit i mean like a number one offensive lineman in all of the nfl just manhandling a bunch of backups that's what it's supposed to look like that's what it did look like i love chase claypool i think alex highsmith like i said could have a better year than bud dupree mm. if i were to bet on one of those sophomores to have a phenomenal superstar season it's kevin dotson i'd bet on yeah absolutely i mean that's what we said earlier a couple of weeks ago in our pro bowl prediction segment we said kevin dotson don't be surprised at all if he makes his first Pro Bowl this year. Well, those three of the four guys from that class that are going to start, when we come back, we'll talk about the fourth and final one fighting for a starting spot, and we'll talk about some depth guys as well from the 2020 class. That's all on the way next. Tom Offerman and Jacob Recht with you right here on the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio. Jacob wrecked with you here on the Steelers standard before we keep breaking down the sophomore class for the Steelers and how they can do in their second season. A little interesting nugget that Jacob and I found out the Pittsburgh Steelers love taking college teammates in the past three draft classes. You saw we get out of here. There's four now. Who was it? Mason and James. That's great. Yeah. I forgot all about that. Oklahoma state buys. They did that. Then it was Bush and Gentry the year after Antoine Brooks and Tony Mack out of Maryland in the 2020 draft. And then, of course, it's crazy. All right, we can't keep doing this because 
this is a project for later. This is a project for later. We'll kick this down the road. But wow, that's such a weird thing that the Steelers just take a teammate, teammates from almost every draft class, it seems. But let's talk about the two teammates they took in 2020, starting with Antoine Brooks Jr., the safety out of Maryland. He's the guy I think's the front runner in their mind for that nickel corner spot. I think that if he was healthier and you were seeing him play, I know we didn't see him against the Eagles, you would have that kind of job almost on lock now at this point, I think. I think mm. that that's the only thing that's keeping it kind of still open for the Mollettes of the world is the fact that Antoine Brooks hasn't been able to stay healthy yet. Absolutely, Tom. I, I mean, Antoine Brooks is in a much peculiar position than I think he expected himself to be in this year because of the fact that when he was drafted, I mean, the team before the draft happened, the team that he was looking at or the team that would eventually draft him had guys like Mike Hilton and Steve Nelson there. I mean, this was a crowded cornerback room. And now he came in and he has basically not no one ahead of him, but a much more clear path to a starting position ahead of him. That nickel corner spot is is a tough job. You, you got a lot of guards pulling that you have to take on. You've got big running backs like Nick Chubb and J.K. Dobbins in your own division that you're going to take you on all the time. It's not just about being a cover guy. And that's why I think Antoine Brooks is the favorite for it. It's bigger, has that safety background, can bump with the bigger running backs, can take on a guard more than a Justin Lane were to be able to or even a Cam Sutton would be able to. So I think you want to go with more size there. And I think Antoine Brooks brings what Mike Hilton brought to the table with that blitz kind of thing and that run-stopping kind of kind of action. Whereas, you know, last year, Cam Sutton was the cover guy. Mike Hilton did all that. I think Antoine Brooks could be a nice little blend of both. Maybe not as good as both of them were in the individual things, but I think you're going to see Brooks be able to stay on the field for a majority of the snaps in nickel as opposed to having to flip-flop back and forth like they did for the past couple of years with Hilton and Sutton. Yeah, I mean, that's what we expect to see, right? You, When you're going with certain packages, you're going to see more of Antoine Brooks. It just You're not going to see him as that prototypical number one guy on the sidelines. But don't think because he's not going to be quarterback one or quarterback two, you're not going to see him at all this year. No, not question at all. I think he's going to play a significant amount in this defense. His college teammate from Maryland, Tony Mack, has made – Mm, Tony Mack, uh, baby, made get a it going. Get really it trending. good case for the backup running back job. I think Kalen Balaj is probably going to end up taking that to the bank with him come week one. But he's made an interesting. McFarland has uh, a total explosive kind of player. Can do more than just run the ball. He he's a guy you can utilize in the receiving game with screens. So much speed. He can kick return. He can punt return. He really has kind of a jack-of-all-trades kind of method to him, and I think that's why he's definitely safe to make this roster is because he can bring just so much to the table. I also think he could end up becoming a pretty good change of pace back. I I know Najee Harris is fast, but McFarland's faster. I mean, that's just straight up. And Balazs' running style is very similar to that of a Najee Harris, so that's why he's probably your best bet to be the number two guy. If Najee had to miss time, Balazs could come in and not miss a beat, potentially. Mm. But... As far as changing, you know, the way the defense, changing the defense up, a little change of pace, I think Tony Mack is a perfect opportunity for that. I think he's got so much speed. Typical one-cut kind of back, you know. It's not going to be like Najee where he can bounce from hole to hole. He can make two guys miss and still stay on his feet and gain five yards. This is a guy in McFarland that he's going to see his hole. He's going to take one step, cut through it, and he's going to just go as fast as he can for as long as he can and 
And that's a very valuable thing in the NFL, especially in the Canada offense where you want to have that defense on their heels the entire time. I think a change of pace back will be nice, and that's why I think he's pretty safe, at least at that number three spot on the depth chart. Not only that, Tom, but I think he's looked a lot better in training camp in the preseason. Obviously, he's not going up against number one guys in the preseason, but I think what I've seen out of him so far this year has been more impressive to me than what I saw out of him out of his rookie year, and that's sh- that's a good thing because that shows that he's not necessarily learning from mistakes, but he's polishing some things and he's and he's improving some aspects of his game where. excuse me, whereas we saw him kind of, I think, get too far into his head, too deep into his thoughts about what move to make when you're talking about change of pace, right? You're you're looking for the move to make at all times compared to like a guy like Derrick Henry or, or Najee Harris who are just going to go straight forward and carry the defenders on his back as he drives drives the pile seven or nine, eight or nine or ten yards. When you're a guy like Tony Mack who, who, who has that aspect to his game, you're always thinking. You're always in your head. And I think Anthony McFarlane was a little too much in his head last year. Something I've seen a lot of out of him this year is that he's just going with the one cut and just going. And I think it's working for him a lot better than it did last year. I agree completely. I think he certainly has improved immensely from where he was last season. And, again, this is a guy they picked in the middle of the rounds uh, in 2020, and he's already showing the potential to – not be a starter, but to break onto the field for a significant amount of time in 2021. I think it's phenomenal. I mean, just take your hat off to Kevin Colbert, like we said. One guy I want to get to before we get to the last guy drafted in this class is someone that they brought on as an undrafted free agent. But, man, is he making noise and and really trying to crack into that starting lineup or that de facto starting lineup when they change packages around. And that's James Pierre, the defensive back. I, I mean, to be an undrafted guy... In a COVID year where there's no preseason, no real training camp. Even harder for you to make And he still makes the team. And then as the season wears on and Joe Hayden has to miss the last game of the year against the Browns, he's the guy you throw out there jumping over Justin Lane, who was a third-round pick just a few years back. That's a phenomenal rookie season from James Pierre. And that's the kind of guy you really want to hit your wagon to because that's a guy that's going to give you 100% effort all the time. Nothing was handed to him. He's He had to work for everything he's gotten in the NFL at this point. And now he finds himself sitting at a spot where he's playing so well in this training camp and preseason period that they're almost going to be forced to put him on the field in more defensive-oriented packages uh, when they go nickel, when they go dime. I think he's going to be more than a special teamer this year. I think you see James Pierre play a real, real role in that defense. After the camp that we've seen so far, I have no problem with that. You said last segment, and I agree with you, the camp phenom out of 2021 has been Alex Highsmith, and there's no one second-guessing at. But the number two guy behind him, if it's not Najee Harris, it's got to be James Pierre, right? has to be, yeah. I mean, it's easy to give it to Najee Harris because that guy is going to be the starter, and he was the number one draft pick for them this year. When you consider the role, the the condition of which Alex Highsmith is coming in as filling in for Bud Dupree, and when you can consider the circumstances of James Pierre being the undrafted rookie in 2020, this is not only his first time cracking into a preseason and training camp, but actually showing why he deserves to make a roster spot despite not even being drafted. You got to give it to one of those two guys, Highsmith or Pierre. And it's amazing that they're both stepping up to this level because you kind of expected Alex Highsmith to impress you to a degree 
certainly not to this degree. James Pierre had no expectations of of us being impressed by him. It was just how much damage control can James, the combination of James Pierre and Justin Lane do together to fill in the holes left by Mike Hilton and, of course, Steve Nelson, right? Now, with those two guys gone, it's not even what can Steve, what can Pierre and, and Lane do together. It's how much can Pierre do on his own because, so far, he's done a lot for us. No question, he's done a lot for you. He's overachieved. I think that's the great yeah, word to right. put. And that's awesome for the Steelers. In a secondary that had question marks heading into this year, they can use all the overachievers uh, that they can get. Every player we've mentioned so far from the 2020 class is going to have impact this year. And it was a really good pick, including the Pierre undrafted free agent one. The one guy that might just be the one miss that they have is Carlos Davis mm-hmm. on the inside, their last pick of the draft. And it's not like the jury's completely out on him. He could still definitely make a move and find himself a significant player. But he's so far down on a crowded depth chart. It's their strongest position group in the roster that he finds himself on. And they just went out and not only used the fifth-round pick on Loudermilk, but sacrificed capital from next year's draft to get him. So they're obviously high on the guy that's behind you on the depth chart now. Big year as far as Davis is concerned, as far as just keeping his spot on the roster. The guy he's got to look to 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 beat out is Isaiah Bugs. I mean, that's the one guy that you can really see. You want to be better than him to keep yourself safe, but it won't happen this year. But I couldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if 2022, 2023 rolls around and Carlos Davis finds himself cut by the end of preseason. It wouldn't shock me either, Tom. And that's something that we kind of touched on uh, a couple seconds ago when we were talking about Isaiah Loudermilk being one of the next young guys to kind of step up for that D-line. And that just doesn't seem to be the case for him, right? I mean, it's hard to say that Isaiah Loudermilk still stands that better of a chance, but the only reason I think we're sitting here saying that is because he's younger, right? He hasn't done anything to to disprove those theories that he could be the next guy up for that D-line, right? Whereas we're talking about a guy who is now in his second year and what we saw out of his first year wasn't anything too impressive, right? So Carlos Davis, it's nothing against him, but when you're a seventh-round draft pick, that's just not it's not going to be the easiest road to the NFL for you. No, but like I said, that's really the only guy that's been a question mark potentially in this class. Phenomenal job. That's Kevin a pretty good job to go five or six guys who are going to be not just starters but potential pro bowlers for your team. I think he has had – Phenomenal draft classes for a long time. I think, I think the 2021 two. is going to be one that you look back at and say, man, three potential pro bowlers, five guys that had impact on the field. Four well, that, was, that was 2020. Yeah, that's what I said. 2020. I okay. think it's going to be the best one. That you oh, see really? In a while. Yeah. You don't think it's 2021? No, I think it's going to be 2020. I think you're going to see. I think back to back, though, they're going to both be pretty impressive. If, if, if Najee, Pat Frymuth, and Kendrick Green all pan out the way you expect them to, and then guys like Dan Moore, Buddy Johnson, and then maybe you throw in a Quincy Roche, and you cannot forget Presley Harvin. It's a bigger draft class. It's a lot more guys. But I think when you consider the scope of it, I, I do think they can equally be impactful for this team. Well, he can do more than just draft well. He does almost everything he does well. So we'll talk a little bit about Colbert, the restructuring of some contracts like Tuit to wrap things up next. We'll also talk about two players that have revealed themselves on the NFL Network's top 100 players of 2021 thus far who are Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll get into all that to wrap things up here on the Steelers Standard right here on Steelers Nation Radio.
Wrapping things up here on the Steelers Standard with Tom Offerman and my co-host Jacob Recht. We talked about a lot of what Kevin Colbert's brilliance has been through the draft throughout this entire episode, but he's more than just a draft guy. No, but let's not forget those teammates again. I mean, that, that those pairings of college guys is just incredible. All around, though, he's a phenomenal general manager, and anytime you think the Steelers are against the wall with cap or with you know a weakness in a position – Colbert seems to always be the guy that gets the last laugh. For and not exa- only that, Tom, I mean, I'll go one further. When you think it, they could potentially have their first losing season, I'm looking at 2019 when Ben Roethlisberger goes down. What does he do? He doubles down on his efforts and say, we're not going anywhere. We're going to go out and get a Minka Fitzpatrick. We're going to win those sweepstakes. He's been doing that a lot more lately as far as the trade market's concerned and, and filling holes. You see it this year with Joe Schobert, and then you see it with the signing of Melvin Ingram. He sees a hole, and he fixes it. He also is just really good at making sure this team has cap space. And you know, if you follow the Steelers, Colbert loves to go into the season with about five or six million in his pocket and cap just to make some moves that are necessary throughout the year. It's going to have a little bit more than that this year. The Steelers announcing yesterday that they have restructured the contract of defensive lineman Steph to it. They converted $7.925 million of Tewitt's base salary into a signing bonus. That, my friends, creates $6.3 million in cap space for the 2021 season. So there's his pocket money right there. Incredible. Just off the Tewitt signing. This puts the Steelers kind of closer to $20 million in cap space now, though. So a lot of the speculation is this wasn't just for comfortability into the season. Another shoe might be dropping here. There might be another player coming into Pittsburgh. Of course, speculation also might be this is good money to have if, say, a Joe Hayden gets released. You know, a surprise release happens around the league. Now you have the capital to go out and bring him in. And if that's not the case, then la-di-da, I'll roll $20 million over into next season. Yeah, Win-win it's... for the Steelers here. But, man, you went – get in the time machine with me, Jacob. Let's go back to the draft. Okay. This team was strapped for cash. The ca- Before we knew Roethlisberger's restructure was coming – there was no cap. You couldn't rub two two pennies together. And no, make they money they had the least amount of space available to them. Now they're closer to twenty million, and it's still about a month away until the season starts. I mean, and that's what a not phenomenal even considering... job by not just Colbert but Omar Khan, everybody who works the cap for the Steelers. I mean, they're one of the best front offices in football for a reason, folks. And you're seeing an example of it right now. I know it's not sexy because there's no player coming. But opening up that kind of money, $7 million opened up just on one restructure alone. What a phenomenal job. I'm clapping right now. I'm clapping for Kevin Colbert. Let's hear it for Kevin Colbert. Great job, Let's hear it for Omar Khan. Let's hear it for all They just do great work. So that's not even considering how much cap space they'll have available to them next offseason, Tom, because they lead the league in cap space available to them in in the 2022 offseason. And right now, I mean, yeah, like you said, $20 million is, is not chump change in the NFL. Maybe for one guy like a TJ Watt, that's chump change. But if you're trying to bolster up your offense or, or or your team, rather, you can get another guy on offense. You can get another guy on defense and keep them both. And you know what? It's happy, happy, fun land for both sides because Steelers get more cap space to either use this year or roll over into next year with their already buku amount of bucks they have. And Tua gets a nice little $7 million in a signing bonus. Just oop. Thank you. I'll sign the piece of paper. Let me take that money right to the bank for me. So I'm happy to. Keep, it's win-win. I'm happy to keep Stefan to it happy. I'm happy too to keep Steph to it happy, and especially if keeping him happy also keeps myself and my pocketbook happy as well. Win-win for the Steelers. Is there another shoe that's going to drop though? Do you see this more as a move to? If something happens throughout the year and a player becomes available, yeah, we have the money to use it. Or is this typically just wait and kind of see kind of thing? But 
in Colbert's back of his mind, he's realistically thinking all his money is just going to roll over into next year for him. Well, I think that when you consider the one guy that the Steelers were talking about in free agency, it wasn't Joe Schobert, it wasn't Melvin Ingram, it was it was Malik Hooker, right? Right, back up from Inca. But now he is on an, now he's on the Dallas Cowboys. So I really can't think of a free agent out there who the Steelers could really need, especially Richard the, Sherman's out there, but that's a lot of baggage still. Right now, given what he went through, what about a month ago or yeah. six weeks Don't ago? Don't know if you want to touch. That's toxic. Right that's there. that's all. That's that's toxic for a lot of NFL teams. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah. that's not that's nuclear. I mean, that's something you never go toward. That's something you never even approach or consider approaching. So. I don't really know what other safeties could be out there because I think right now when you when you talk about starting guy versus depth, there is no bigger disparity between Minka and the backup safeties behind him. And we were obviously talking about Trey Norwood earlier when we were discussing our 2021 draft class for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We were we were saying Trey Norwood Norwood. His only case to make the team is the fact that it's only Minka ahead of him, and if you lose Minka, you can't have no one else behind him. So that it would be the only reason that Trey Norwood a gets any starting time or B makes a team is because of Minka not being available. But I can't tell you, Tom, another safety out there, not named Richard Sherman that I feel comfortable paying, even though you have money to spare. It's not, I think it'd be kind of at this point a waste. I think if you got a Richard Sherman, it would be, you can use Richard Sherman on the outside. You can put Cam Sutton on the inside and then Antoine Brooks rolls back into the backup safety role. And that's how it would kind of shake down. But you're right. There's too much. You can't sign that guy. So I don't know. I mean, you're certainly not going to go out and get a tight end or a receiver or running back. No need to do that. Even on the offensive line, we talk about death and how much that conversation has changed. No one's out there though. No one's out there, A, and B, you're starting to feel more and more comfortable with the guys, as you said, you're starting to feel a little more comfortable with your backup tackles than you are your starting tackles, and you already know how much you love your starting guard and Kevin Dotson and Trey Turner, and then Kendra Green, obviously, you expect to have for the full season as the rookie. There's really no need to go out there and get an additional lineman either. A lot of people in their brains view this as, oh, TJ Watt's contract's coming. I don't because you didn't need to open up any more cap space this season to get In order to pay him, yeah. And you have enough in the seasons to come to pay him. But you know what this does signal to me, Jacob? Now they're going to potentially have enough money in the years to come to not only sign Watt long-term, but now they've got some change that they could throw Minka's way as well and get his deal done. And on top of that, Matt Williamson brought this up. They're going to be in the market for a quarterback next year. I mean, it's not just a guarantee that they'll do it, you know, like they have with the draft class. I mean, quarterbacks have been flying around this league more than ever in the league's history. You just don't know who's going to end up being available next year. Like maybe a Derek Carr comes out on the market that you throw a two year kind of deal towards with a nice cap hit that you can take now all of a sudden. So they're going to be very flexible moving forward. I think that they set themselves up to be in a position now where it, might not necessarily be the skies falling after Ben. They have enough money to get a quarterback that's established if they want, but at the very least, they have enough money now to keep that entire defense intact. Yeah, I mean that's and when it when it comes to the defense, there are two guys that you think of because Cam Hayward's contract was taken care of last year, but beyond him, it's Mika Fitzpatrick and it's JJ. JJ, it's TJ. They just right? reworked to it too, so he's good. And he just got. I mean, as you said earlier, got there. a little signing bonus as well to keep him even happier. It, if you want to stay competitive, Tom, and that's what I believe Kevin Colbert wants to do. Kevin Colbert and the Pittsburgh Steelers have never been about rebuilding or retooling. 
even if there is no legitimate quarterback, if there's no Ben Roethlisberger there, they've shown in the past, going back to 2019, that they still want to try to compete. So I think to that point, they're going to try to keep or retain Minka and TJ as their defensive core for the foreseeable future. NFL Network is breaking out their list of top 100 players as voted on by the players. These are the lists that I put a lot of stock in when the peers around the league tell you who they think the best players are because that's who would know better than the guys that are going up against them Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Two Steelers have checked in already on the list. The NFL has gone from 100 to 40. I believe throughout the week they'll go through 40 to 1. I don't think it's going to be a shock when Patrick Mahomes becomes number one, though. Number 57 was Cameron Hayward from your Pittsburgh Steelers. Jumped up 27 spots from last year. He was number 84 last season. So the NFL players around the league seen improvement from Cam Hayward. Uh, I think it's spot on. I think he's right there at the 50s. Um, there's going to be some defensive tackles that are ahead of him, like Grady Jarrett's number 54. It's very equal to, to what Cam Hayward is, the guy down in Atlanta. But I can't get mad at that one. But there is one that I can get mad at. And that's the constant disrespect for our safety, Minka Fitzpatrick. He drops 17 spots in the NFL 100 ranking. He's number 52 right now. He was number 35 last year. And I thought that he should jump up to like number 15 this year, to be quite honest with you. Do you know why it is, Tom? Why is he so disrespected? It's because in 2019, he had a 101 or 102-yard interception return for a touchdown. In 2020, he only had a 25-yard interception return for a touchdown. I mean, that's what I guess what he needs to do is is have this 100-yard return play in order to be properly ranked. But it's it's even more questionable because – it, this is his peers. I don't understand how the guys playing against him are not giving him the, 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 the proper respect. Well, I'll tell you this, too. Teron Matthew, the Honey Badger, is number 58. I think that's way too low for him way as well. Way too low as I well. Think, I, I think, think when you talk about best secondary guys, there's only three I really consider, and that's Jalen Ramsey, Mickey Fitzpatrick, and Tyron Matthew. If you were going to come at me with any safety in this league that you could argue is better than Minka, I think the only one would be Honey Badger right now. So it's just hilarious to me that they're both stuck in the 50s, and a guy like Ty- uh, Justin Simmons in Denver is number like 42 and is ahead of them. It's the same thing as the Madden Simmons rankings. Simmons is good, but we like, talked about can we the prove Mad- it first with Simmons? We talked about the Madden rankings two weeks ago. They put Minka as an 88 or an 87, that something like bad, that. Yeah. What are you doing? I don't understand it. I don't get why he gets disrespected. We'll keep an eye on this list. You really think he's he only released. a B-plus? Really? He's only a B-plus at what he in does? In the 50s, as far as an NFL player is concerned? No, I don't buy that. Like I said, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep telling you what safeties come out in front of him. Justin Simmons, the only one so far that came out in front of Minka. Minka's better than Simmons, in my mind. There's no question about that. Before we finish up, though, what are the other Steelers that you think show up on this list? Because I think it's, it's got to only, only just be TJ Watt, right? Yeah, He'll probably one. be closer to the top 10. If, if he finishes outside the top 10, I'll never watch the show again. I'll give him top 15. Uh, if no, he's like I think 13, he 14, to be I'll 10. be fine. He deserves to be 10, but... We'll have problems in my mind if it's like 16, 17, if it starts to get to that point. But I agree with you. I think that's really the only logical one. Ben's not going to make it. Ben's not going to make yeah. it. None of the receivers Najee's are going to make it. too early to make it for him. And if Najee was going to make it, it would have been in like the hundreds. I mean, maybe like we 90s. get a surprise like Stefan Tuitt. Ahead of Cam, though? I, I find yeah, that that's hard That's the problem is yeah. that ahead of Cam, that's, that's going to be if – you, if you hadn't seen Cam yet – I would say maybe you see both Steph and Cam, but if you've already seen Cam, it, it's unlikely you'll see. And and I don't think Bud Dupree made it, right? He not yet. 
I don't think he'll. I, I don't mean, know if he'll make it. It's getting pretty high up on the list for him to make it. So I don't know if he'll make it either. Like I said, though, we'll keep our eye on it. We'll do a full breakdown of the top 100 once that list becomes available. But that's going to do it for us today here on the Steelers Standard. Do not go anywhere, though. We throw it out to Heinz Field next as Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes are live at Steelers training camp. Fans in the building watching the second to last day of Steelers camp. Make sure you head down there and take in all the action at practice. For Jacob Recht, I am Tom Offerman. You have been listening to the Steelers Standard, and you've been listening to it all right here on Steelers Nation Radio.